It's a holy moment. We know that nothing pleases God more than a surrendered life to God and the ministry of Jesus Christ. You know, there's three signs to success. One sign is, is peace with God. How many of you just have peace with God tonight? That's the first sign of success. Second sign of success is answering the call of God. And the third sign of success is servanthood. Servanthood. Serving others. That's a true leader. When you serve others from the inside out. We live from the inside out. We don't live by circumstances. We live from the inside out. So Chris, Tori, and Tom, and Brenda, and Sheila are receiving ordination tonight. And Todd, could you put that on the screen, what ordination means, so everybody can understand exactly, biblically, what ordination means? If you can find it, if you can't, I can, I've got it right here. Okay. To officially and publicly make a minister. To officially establish, to invest officially as by the laying on of hands with ministerial authority and to confer holy orders upon them. That's what ordination means. You know, it's not an easy thing to be ordained. The ones that are getting ordained tonight, was it easy for you? It was. It's tough. I'm telling you. It's a. It's especially when you're coming into an apostolic ministry. When I say apostolic ministry, and I'll, I'll have this on the screen in a few that um, we have the church age and we have the kingdom age. All right. So the church age will always be with us because that's when the born again, the lost come in and get saved, and you have a church age. But you can't stay a baby for thirty years. Amen. So you need to go to an apostolic ministry, which takes you from infancy to adulthood. You can see on this chart right here, here's the church age. And here's the kingdom age growing up in Christ. That's what this ministry is about, is growing up in Christ. So there's three things that happen. It's required in an apostolic ministry. One is change. That's the best description of this type of ministry is change. When you come through the door, the devil didn't send you through that door. Because he only wanted no part of this ministry. The Holy Spirit drew you through that door because he wants you to change. And then the second thing is sanctification which means separation of people and things that aren't from God. Man, I went through that. I was holding on to relationships with a death grip that I wasn't going to let it go. And, you know, if it's of God, you can't overthrow it. So he's going to pull these relationships away from you. Some of them may come back and some of them may not. Because he has a divine order. He has a divine uh, people that he's going to put together to fulfill your destiny. Number three 
is character. Producing the character of Christ is what we do here. Just because our spirit got saved doesn't mean my head got saved. Isn't that right? Until you learn the truth, your head will never be saved. If you died tomorrow at at a born-again experience, your soul is still covered in the blood of Jesus. And you'll go to heaven. But if you know the truth and don't apply the truth, that's a dangerous ground to be on. We had a guy in here, a minister from uh, over in the Far East come in, and he was dead for seven days. I think it was seven days. Wasn't it seven days? And Jesus took him up to heaven and took him down to hell, and he recognized his secretary and his treasurer that works for his ministry in hell. And he said to Jesus, well, how, how? they were shocked to see him. He said, how did they get there? He said, well, the treasury was stealing from the ministry. And these are born-again people. And the other one had unforgiveness in them. If you've got unforgiveness, a sign of unforgiveness is anger. That's the sign. And you'll never get to heaven with unforgiveness. So I try to get it right as soon as you can with people because it's not worth it. So all of these three things equal a life of power and authority. When you come into an apostolic ministry, you're coming in to authority. You're, you, you came into power when you got regenerated, you got born again. The power of God came in you. But the authority of God is established in the soul. He'll never put his authority on your character. He's going to put it on his character. And until the word of God has transformed this soul, this mind right here, he'll never put his authority on your character. And I always tell people there's a lot of ministers that can cast out devils, but they can't tell them not to come back because it takes authority to tell them not to come back. So you can cast out devils all day long. And as soon as you go out the door, they're going to jump right back on you. But if the but if the uh, a minister has the power and the authority of Christ, while he's praying for you, he can command those spirits not to come back to you. Amen. Even though you're weak or could be weak, he can command them not to come back. So this is a true representation of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Now we have to know what the difference is. The kingdom of God is what? Who remembers? ordained people tonight. It's the power of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is where? It's where God dwells. So the kingdom of power is Jesus that comes out of the kingdom of heaven. So we operated in the kingdom of God tonight with that anointing working. And then the kingdom of heaven came down when you felt that rest come on you, that peace that's in the house right now. So only the apostolic ministry can bring that forth. Now look what God calls his ministers in these verses on the screen. He calls these these ministers angels. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength and do his word. Heeding the voice of his word, bless the Lord, all you host, all of his host. You ministers of his who do his pleasure, bless the Lord, all his works, and all places of his dominion. Dominion, bless the Lord. 
Oh, my soul. What I want to point out here in these verses is five things. To bless the Lord. These ministers tonight are required to bless the Lord. And you do that in worship. We bless the Lord with our worship tonight. We bless the Lord in giving to him. Amen. And we bless the Lord by meditating on his word. That's how we bless him. Number two is to do his word. That means concerning activities on the earth. Do what the word tells you to do and go do it in the earth. Number three, to heed the voice of God. That means not every voice that you hear is from God. Satan can speak the word of God, but it's not the voice of God. I love what David said. He said, I heard the word twice. That power belongs to God. So he heard it with his spirit man ear, the the born again man, his inner ear, and he heard it with his outer ear. That's how you know it's God. That's how you know it's revelatory. That's what you can bank on to change your life and to bless you. Number four, to minister on God's behalf to those who have inherited salvation. We minister on God's behalf. Number five, to do God's pleasure. That means to have dominion. There's nothing more that pleases God than for us to have dominion in the earth. And what does that mean? That means you have power over negative circumstances. You have power over adverse situations. And all you have to do is speak and the situation should change. That's dominion. Power is different from dominion. Power will rebuke the devil. But dominion gives you rulership over him. Does that make sense? Gives you rulership over him. So kingdom life ministry, which this is, is an apostolic church. What that means is it's led by an apostle, not a pastor. Now, I want to teach you something tonight. Apostles can operate in all five ministries. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, right? But he can only major in one. That's the apostle. He minors in the other four. And God set it up that way because he said, I put apostles first in the church to do what? To protect the church. See, if the apostle wasn't minoring in these other offices, he would never know. He would never recognize deception operating in someone. Anybody can come up and say they're an evangelist. We've had that happen in this ministry. People come through the door, they're evangelists. And they were straight from hell. They, they try to destroy the place. But you can recognize it. But the first thing you try to do is love them out of their era. That's what you'll find in this ministry. You won't find condemnation. You'll find us loving you out of the era. We give no attention to what the devil deceived us in. But we give all the attention to the salvation of God. Does that make sense? We don't give him no attention. So it's a, it's a five-fold ministry function, which, we, which is called an apostolic center. This is an apostolic center. It's biblically set up this way. 
And you'll, I'm going to do a teaching Saturday night to expand on the biblical way a church is supposed to be set up. The church the way it is today is not set up right. If you have a pastor, it's called a pastoral church. There's only Pastors are only listed in the Bible once. Apostles are li- listed over 100 times. Prophets are listed over 150 times. Teachers are listed over 90 times. But isn't it interesting that pastors are listed once? What does that tell you? Your apostles are the leaders of the church. Amen. Your evangelists go get people saved and bring them into apostolic church. And then he tosses that baby right over to who? The pastor, not me, a pastor that's set in place here. And that pastor nurtures that baby, cares for him, protects the truth, makes sure the devil doesn't steal that truth out of him. Amen? And then the teacher comes and begins to teach that baby how to grow up in Christ. Amen? That's what you'll find here. If you want to know what your destiny is, this is the place to come. And you can grow up in what you're called to do. So the fivefold, the fivefold ministry is a government. It's the government of God. It's ruled by Jesus. Jesus is the king. He preaches the good news. And it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is also a place where scattered sheep come. There's a lot of scattered sheep out there. They're looking for food. They're looking for meat of the word. They're going from church to church to church to church to find something to get in touch with God and give me some food. Those are the scattered sheep. Or when a leader fails because of adultery or love of money, the sheep get scattered. Amen? Well, the first church that happened like that in Jerusalem, in the book of Acts, the ones that got scattered went out and healed the sick, cast out demons, performed signs, wonders, and miracles, and then started home churches. That's the true way God wanted to set up. And it's all coming back that way now because your apostles are getting in place. Where have the apostles been? They've been in businesses. There's women apostles. There's men apostles. There's no differentiation when it comes to the New Testament in men and women. There's women evangelists. There's women teachers. We have them in this ministry. So you see that God has no favoritism with anybody. He loves everybody equally. Amen. Because of grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. Now God separates and ordains us for ministry. Todd, Todd is awesome. You that guy back there? He keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> he keeps everything flowing for me. Thank God for Todd. I like that. Thank God for Todd. <laughs> God separates us from ministry, not man. You can't be man called. There's too many people that's man called. There's too many people that's father called. Their daddy just sees some goodness in them and wants them to pursue the ministry. God's the one that calls you. God's the one that separates you. But you need someone that can recognize it. And your apostles today who have been pulled out of businesses into ministry, that's why you see a dual calling right here. 
I'm a business guy. Never wanted to go into ministry. But when God starts pulling on you, it's like a vacuum. You just got to surrender. You're going to be miserable. So what happened to the apostles? Where did they go? You have the apostle of God, which is Jesus Christ. Then you have the 12 apostles, which is the apostles of Jesus. Then you have the apostles of the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians 4, which are today. They're in place today. But the spirit of Jezebel cast them out of the church. You know, Jezebel can work in a man or a woman. I've seen it in this place. Uh, It doesn't stay around here long. When the time of preparation has been completed, God takes the next level, which is to separate us exclusively for his work. And what you'll find in this modern time right now, God, the last move of God is going to be in the marketplace. It's not going to be in this building right here. It's going to be in the workplace, in the grocery stores. I mean, I've seen so many signs and wonders out in that marketplace. It's unbelievable. That's the last move of God. So the ones that are getting ordained tonight have that calling on them. There are marketplace ministers as well as kingdom assembly ministers, fivefold ministers. That's the last move of God. So let's look at Acts 13, 2 and 3. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them to be. Now, that's what the Holy Spirit does to me. He said, now separate Chris for the work for me. Separate Tom and Brenda. Separate Sheila. Separation means sanctification. There's a season that you got to come out of your environment, come away from your friends, come away from relationships, and just shut in with God and let him begin his work with you. The flesh is the most impatient part of a man. Amen. The flesh hates to worship. Carrie's my, my model here. Stand up, Carrie. He's a model. If you'd have seen him before he, when he came in here, but I would, the Holy Spirit would have me worship for four and five and six hours just to get his flesh. And, and the funny thing was, the Holy Spirit would have me play the same song over and over again. And you could see him going like this. And then on top of that, I'd have to teach for four hours. I said, Lord, I've got to teach another hour. He said, hey, we've got to get to carry tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that flesh hates it. What did Wendy say? Oh, he's awesome now. Devils tremble at his presence. They used to dance with him, but now they tremble (laughs) at his presence. (laughs) Praise God. So then they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them and sent them away. That's what's going to happen tonight. They've been called by the Holy Spirit, separated. They fasted. They prayed. We're going to lay hands on them, and they're going to be sent to different places to perform the true gospel ministry, which is healing the sick, opening blind eyes, raising the dead. Can you imagine that in Savannah, Georgia? 
It's happening. It's not recorded. But people are getting raised. Performing signs, wonders, and miracles. That's the ministry of Jesus Christ. And listen, if you're in a church, there's none of that's happening. I think I'd run from that church. Because Jesus is not there. Wherever Jesus is going to be, you're going to see healing taking place. You're going to see prophecy, words of knowledge. You're going to see uh, signs, wonders, and miracles happening. And God's going to come back for his church. And I don't want to be in the wrong one, would you? I don't want to be in the wrong one. So this is done in a public setting, which we're in a public setting, and where the spiritual coverage lays hands on them. So what does it mean, look at the screen, to separate us and send us? God separates us from people and things, as I mentioned earlier, that aren't in his plan for our destiny. doesn't mean there's something wrong with them. I was in a long-time relationship uh, and I wanted to marry this woman because it was the best thing that I ever, I ever met. But I was holding up her destiny as she was holding up my destiny, my flesh. If I'd have understood that it was flesh, I would have let go of that a long time ago. And I asked the Lord, why'd you keep me in it so long? Because I'm worshiping God three to four hours a day. And still in this relationship, he said, I wanted you to learn deception at his best. So God will keep you in some things just so that you'll learn how the enemy operates. What he did with Moses, sending him back to Egypt as a baby. So he had to learn the bondage of Egypt to be able to bring him out. Isn't that cool? So I said, why do I have to learn deception? I came out of it, I thought, when I got born again. But he said, my bride, my church, is in deception. In captivity. Religious captivity. Religious exile. I was going to tell you a vision I had, but I don't have time for it. <clears throat> but it would kind of explain about the church being in exile. So it's a higher level of yielding to the Lord. That's what separate means. A higher level of yielding to the Lord. And in that yielding. He surrounds you. With the people. And the things. That he has ordained for your life. And I'm telling you. When he sends the right people in your life. You'd have wished he'd have done it. Ten years ago. Because they're going to love you. They're going to love you unconditionally. Amen. If someone's in your life that's not of God, it's going to be a conditional relationship. So God sends us. This is a stage when God loosens us to serve in the ministry. And our coverage, which is this, sends us out with a blessing. If you've got a church, and some of these leaders may have churches one day, and you always have a core group of people that are stationed. It's called home base. But if you've got the same saints in the same church for 30 years, something's wrong. You're supposed to send them out because they're taking space up for someone that should be in that church. You can't send them out until you've raised them up. You've got to teach them and train them for ministry. 
Every person is born again as a minister. You were sent here to minister. Amen. There's only some that are appointed to an office ministry. The church as a whole serves the world. But the office ministries serve the saints. Amen. That's your, that's your apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They serve the saints for the work of ministry and building them up. So while perfection is not a requirement, freedom is. There's too many ministers out there all bound up. And every time they open their mouth, they're releasing the same thing on you that you're trying to get out of. That's what's happening. Because your words are spirit. So if you got God in your spirit and devils in your head, both of them's coming out. And that's why the church can't grow up because some leaders are putting the same thing on the people that they're trying to get out of. That bondage, right? So you don't have to be perfect to be ordained. You just have to be free. Free from unforgiveness. Free from shame. Free from rejection. And those are really the three things that hold us back from the call of God. Now, who confirms the calling on a person? People ask me that all the time. Who confirms the call? Well, first of all, God confirms it. Yeah. God confirms it. It's in you. You feel the pool. And it's amazing when you start doing a little bit of it, there's a joy. There's a joy. That's the joy of the Lord. He's excited about your ministry. And then the second person that confirms is your spiritual leader. And the third person are people. The people confirm it. That's how God works it. That's how his order is. God first, your leader, and the people confirm your calling. So let's look at three things in regards to God's calling. You have to know your calling and know it's from God. Number two, you have to embrace your calling. Accept it as your life. Accept it as your life. When these get ordained, they're accepting this call as my life. Whether it's in this assembly ministering to people, whether it's in your workplace, it's my life now. Like Carrie said, it's a higher level of accountability. It takes it to another level. And number three, obey the calling. Be willing to leave all behind to do what's necessary to fulfill the call. Jesus said, you know, his disciples said, uh, we've left everything to follow you. We don't have anything. They left everything. They were complaining already. <laughs> and here was Jesus, the son of God. But he said to them, no one who has left houses, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, didn't say wives, I don't think. It does. What it, what it means is your heart cannot be on those people or those things outside of God being priority. That's how it works. God has to have, he's a jealous God. And he wants first place in your life. And I'm telling you, when you give him first place in your life, he gives, gives you back a hundredfold houses. The Bible says a hundredfold. Can you imagine a hundred houses? 
Where'd they come from? It's Carrie's house. Wendy's house. We None of us own anything. Carrie owns everything I got. I own everything he's got. We're all family. Now he's going to want to drive the Ferrari tomorrow. <laughs> Who's calling the Porsche? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. He did it. <laughs> no, he spoke it. So uh, he's reminding me again. Listen, we are representing a kingdom of power and authority. And here are some signs of a kingdom minister. Number one, they are worshipers. A worshiper will raise their hands. They won't know that anybody else is in the room. Amen. You just get caught up in a zone. And number two, they are fear free, anger free and perversion free. Because we are in a fear free kingdom. We're in an anger free kingdom, a perversion free kingdom, because Jesus broke the power of the devil. So those things are not in his kingdom. Your spirit and my spirit is in his kingdom. But my head may not be. Because I still have the residue of the fall of Adam going on up here. Until the word of God renews my thinking. Then I'll always have this residue for the demonic influences to tempt me to fear. To tempt me to anger. To tempt me to perversion. Amen. And listen, if he's tempting you in these things, it tells you God is already moving on your behalf. The enemy comes to intercept the blessing of God. So when fear hits my mind, I say, Lord, thank you for that devil. Because he just confirmed that what I've been praying for is headed my way. Isn't that beautiful? There's nothing wrong with you if you're fearing. In fact, it's not even your character. It's the enemy's character. We're just fellowshipping with it. Amen. God didn't put that kind of character in you. And number three, these ministers, they cast out demons, heal the sick, and are a carrier of signs, wonders, and miracles. And number four, they are a marketplace. They are marketplace ministers. So you're not only ministers. Our first priority as a minister is to reach the lost. That's number one with God. That's the greatest miracle of all is somebody getting saved. Your second assignment is to bring them up in the Lord. Amen. Sometimes around here, you won't see me pet devils. Devils start coming out when fear, you see fear on people. That's a spirit trying to come out because Jesus shone the light on him. So he's in torment. But most of us want to go calm the people down. Amen. Just calm them down. Calm down. And we're putting that spirit right back in its place. When we should be backing off. And let God be God. 
we got to stop leaning on people. There's a time to lean on people. But there's a time not to lean on people. And lean on your God. And he'll deliver that thing from you. And you'll never have to go through it again. Because whom the sun sets free, what? They are free indeed. Now, we're going to put on the screen a vision that the Lord gave me. And what this vision is, because you've got to think of my life. I'm a builder. I know nothing about ministry. And that's when the Lord said, well, that's why I can use you. Because you know nothing about ministry. So I get visions all the time. He explains to me what he's doing. So I said, Lord, what is happening with the churches? What's going on? You see people coming in. You see people going out. He said, this is the end time church progression that I'm giving you. You see a pastor, a pastoral church with no power, non-denominational. A pastoral denominational church, which is the church of God, assembly of God. They're denominational. And some of them have power, but no authority. And then you have the religious structure, which is your Catholic, Methodist, Episcopalian, and some of those others. But you see God, it's like a vacuum, are pulling these infant Christians into this apostolic structure, apostolic center, I'm going to call it. This is what this ministry is. It's an apostolic center, all right? So when people come through the door of kingdom life, I know that they came from one of these structures. And what God is trying to do is identify them and their calling. Confirm them as a son. Process them for maturity. And then release them into that maturity for ministry. So that's what you're going to find when you come in this place the first time. You're going to be identified. You're going to be confirmed. These things are going to progress. And then you'll be a place. There's a certain level of maturity that God will release you to do his work. You don't have to be completely mature. There's a level of maturity that you have to have. So as they come through the structure of the ministry, they'll come out evangelizing dead churches. That's what Chris is going to do. Chris has that evangelistic uh, office anointing on him. He'll evangelize dead churches. Then you'll have apostles. There's apostles sitting in the seats. They don't even know they're apostles. And they'll start churches, which are going to be apostolic churches. And then the third thing is, you'll just have marketplace ministers. Regular old work people that, that aren't in a fivefold ministry, that are working in banks or grocery stores, and they're ministering out of their workplace. And when they open up their mouth, the presence of God goes up. And they know that something's different about those people. Amen? So that's the process right there. And this is where you'll find Chris and Tori and Brenda and Tom and Sheila. They're right here. They've been processed for this. So God is changing his church. We opened this ministry up in 07, 08, probably 08. And I've just seen so many changes with church people. He's breaking off traditional mindsets. 
God is not a God of tradition. He's only a God of relationship. And he's calling us back to that original plan, which is an apostolic sinner that are raising up the infant bride into maturity. Think about this. Would you want to come back to an infant as a bride? If you were a man, Tom, you see any men marrying infants? That's what Jesus is looking on his church. His bride is still an infant. So we wonder why he hadn't come back, because there's so much sin and hell going on out there. So much darkness. And we wonder why he's not coming back. Revelation, the book of Revelation tells us why he's not coming back. He said, I'm not coming back to a bride who has spots and wrinkles. And when you're talking to God, always be ignorant. Because he'll work with you. And I said, Lord, what is spots? Because if you come in, come to God like you know everything, he won't. He'll just do like this. He'll push you away. Spots are deception. All of us have this residue. But a spot is formed out of the residue. Through abuse. Through crisis. Through something adverse to us. Somebody trespassed. So this spot gets formed. And now deception lays hold of that area in our mind. And that's how it works. Now wrinkles. Or our, our, you know how you go to work and you come home from work, you're, you're all wrinkled up. Your garment's all wrinkled up. He said, my bride, her garments are all wrinkled up through works and not grace. Working to please God. Beating on doors trying to get people saved. Can you imagine? Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to do that, but some people go into the works of it. And they're wore out. And the Lord told me, he said, Gene, grace will never wear you out. You can just keep going. And that's how Jesus operated in the supernatural was the grace that was on his life. So we see the transitioning infants, children, into mature sons and daughters. That's what's happening here. Moving from the church age to the kingdom age. We're moving from the church age to the kingdom age. And listen, if you're a born-again Christian, you're going to be miserable if you don't go into this process. Because if you're born again, you are not your own. Jesus owned you. You gave him your life at the born-again experience. So he's going to pull you to a certain place. And if you come in this building, he's already pulling you on, on you. Because most of them come in the other side over there. That's the only reason I have business over there. Is so God can capture his bride. And love on her. End time church. We must grasp that we are receiving the kingdom that we entered into. See, People don't realize when you got born again, you just entered into his kingdom. But you haven't received it yet. None of those denominations will teach you this. You got conveyed over into the kingdom of God and dropped into the kingdom of his love. That's it. 
That's what happened. But we have to grow up in that. And as we grow, I was telling my, my son Josh and Littlebrook that the more you obey God, the more God will bless you. And the more you grow up in God, the more he's going to bless you. If we can just get through the trial that comes first. And listen, when a trial comes on your life, it doesn't mean you're on trial. Because Jesus took on our trial. He's already judged us. We're not to be judged anymore. But the devil, the influence, it keeps me thinking the wrong way. That's on trial. And when I feel that, then I know he's on trial in my mind. What am I supposed to do while he's on trial? It's a test for me. Since I'm not on trial, it's a test for me. The test is love. You're going to choose God. Faith. Believing, trusting him. And you're going to love that enemy. Because that influence is attached to someone else. And you've got to love that person. Because Jesus said, love your enemy. It's the greatest promotion, promotion you'll ever experience in the kingdom of God. Is to love your enemy. And if you have a mindset to do that, God will grace you to do it. It takes grace to do this. He does it all. So we're receiving. Let's let's look at the, there are five basic signs of the of the beginning experience of entering into the kingdom. As you're entering into the kingdom, and you're beginning to receive the kingdom, these this is what you're going to experience. Number one, the cutting away of flesh. Now that doesn't mean this flesh, where Jesus said, "Cut off your arm if it sins." He's not meaning that. Your sinful nature is what the Bible calls as flesh. So this allows the life of God to come forth as he's cutting something away. And that's what the trial is all about. Whatever my flesh is connected to, God is cutting that away so that the life of the Spirit can come forth and live that blessed life. Number two, preparing the soil of the soul. Now, this is when God plows our life to get his life into the soul. And when he does that, he's planting the good seed, the word of God in there. Remember, I mentioned that your spirit's saved by the spirit of truth, not by the truth. It's saved by the spirit of truth. My soul gets saved by the truth of the spirit. So when God gives me a word, a scripture comes off the page, that is the truth of the Spirit. And when I apply it to this, it's a seed that gets planted. And anytime you plant a seed, the earth starts moving, right? And when that seed breaks open, the earth starts moving. That's when change begins to happen in your life. That's when the trial breaks out. It's all good. That's why God said, if you want to be in my perfect will... Praise me in everything. Give thanks in everything. 
for this is the will of God for you. Number three, harvesting and crushing of the fruit. God removes the chaff that has protected the seed in, in, in its infancy. There's chaff on that seed. And God begins to remove that chaff that's protected that seed. Number four, the acceptance of the nighttime. That's in the night season that God does something special in our life. How many have that darkest hour of the soul? Man, oh man. That is a special time. It's called the royal experience of the love of the king that you're about to encounter in that darkest hour. Isn't that beautiful? If we just have that mindset that this dark hour is yet but for a moment, is passing away, and I'm going to meet the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I want to meet the one I bumped into and got saved. I want to learn about the one I bumped into and got saved. Let's look at this. A transformed mind is the mind of Christ inhabiting a soul. Now, you've got to keep your spirit and your soul separate. He has your spirit already. He wants your soul. It thinks like royalty. This is what a transformed mind will do. It thinks like royalty. It walks humbly in confident power and authority of Christ. Humbly in power and authority. You don't use that power and authority to abuse people. You don't use that power and authority to control people. You use that power and authority to help people. Amen? This type of transformation can only be accomplished through the fivefold ministry. Let's look at this chart. As I said, Jesus majors in these five offices. In any apostolic center, you're going to find a formed fivefold ministry. Now, Jesus didn't have to pray to get devils out of people. How did he do it? He just spoke. Sometimes he would just show up. Because he majored as the teacher, pastor, evangelist, prophet, and apostle. These are anointings. We only major in one of these. Chris is majoring here. Sheila is majoring here. We major in these things. And when all five offices are together in one assembly and one person speaks, you're going to have the same power that Jesus had. That's what the devil has kept from happening, is unity. If he can keep the church divided, he can keep Jesus from showing up. Jesus will never show up in a divided church. He's going to show up in a church of unity. And love. So if we send Carrie out or Chris out to evangelize a church, as soon as they open up their mouth, they're pulling from the other four offices the grace that's on. So he's speaking as the oracles of God. And you're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles like never before. So knit together in unity through faith, truth, and love. So let's look at the screen. How will God measure your success as a minister? I thought this was interesting when the Lord gave me this. It won't be by the crowd that you draw. That is not the measure of success. I see a lot of churches that have 10,000 members. That is not the measure of success. 
It won't be by the ability, your ability to teach or preach a good message. That's not how God measures your success. It's not even your ability to prophesy or cast out demons or heal the sick. He doesn't measure your success by that. He measures your success by your ability to raise up a generation that ministers better than you do. Why does he set it up that way? Because it keeps us humble. It keeps us humble. We've got to stay humble for grace to flow. So everyone's getting ordained. This is your measure of success is to raise up a generation of saints, disciples who can minister better than you. The job of the ministers is to train, teach, and bring them up into a divine relationship with God. So we're going to proceed with the ordination ceremony now, and I want to put a few scriptures on the screen. And I want the ones that are getting ordained to come on up. Did we dim the lights? And No, it's on live stream, right? We better not dim the lights right now. I'll dim the lights when we get, start, get ready to pray for the people. Let's look at Jeremiah 1, 5 on the screen. Um, can Tom, let's see, I want Tori and Chris right here. Just stand right here. And Sheila right here. And then Tom and Brenda right here. Actually, Sheila, you're on in. Tom and Brenda's next, okay? Right there, thank you. Jeremiah 1, 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Isn't that amazing? Before he formed me in my mother's womb, he knew me. And listen to this. And approved of me. Don't ever look for somebody else's approval. Amen? Because it'll be part-time approval. God's already approved you full-time. He's approved you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, he separated you and set you apart, consecrating you and appointing you as a prophet to the nations. Now, a prophet in the New Testament is one who preaches and teaches the word. That's what a New Testament prophet does. The office of a prophet is different. They speak the oracles of God. But a New Testament prophet is a preacher, a teacher. That can prophesy at times with accuracy. Matthew 20, 16. Let's look at this scripture. Many are called, but few are chosen. What does that mean? If God has no favoritism, many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called into the body of Christ, but few are called to serve that body. And that's your fivefold office. Your fivefold office should be serving the body. I've seen a lot of apostles out there and pastors and the congregation is serving them. That's backwards. We're supposed to be serving the saints. So tonight, these that are standing in front of us have identified their function. They have been delivered from strongholds. The strongholds of unforgiveness. Shame and rejection. Isn't that a tough thing to get off of you? That, man, it's got a grip, and that's the hardest thing to get loose from. And they're here tonight to receive the mantle that's on their gifting, on their ministry. The mantle is released 
when I lay hands on you. It is the power, the apostolic power, that comes on the ministry that God put in you. The ministry God has in you now has a power, but it doesn't have an authority yet. The mantle is going to come and give you an authority on that ministry. They have also successively transitioned from a pastoral church, praise God, to an apostolic ministry. They have returned to their first love, who is Jesus Christ. You know how easy it is to get away from Jesus? We get born again. We're all on a honeymoon, excited about Jesus, and then two years later, we're miserable. Because we gotta, we gotta, it's, it's, a, it's a, an engagement. You're in love with the Spirit of God. And it's something you have to maintain. They all understand how the fivefold works and operates. We've had four different teachings and tests after each teaching. And then we had a final exam last week and part of this week. And they all passed, which is amazing because I would have never passed it. I said, Lord, why are you giving me something I couldn't pass? He said, to keep you humble. Lastly, they understand the purpose of an apostolic center and how to align with it. So all of you have successfully submitted yourself to an apostolic ministry, which is hard to do. Because an apostolic ministry will challenge your mind. Something different might come out of my mouth than what you expect. But it's going to be God speaking because he wants to challenge that mindset. It's a change of mindset that God is trying to accomplish in this ministry. Which is a ministry led by an apostle of the Holy Spirit. That's what an apostolic ministry is. I taught it earlier. Number two, you have been discipled. And listen, you'll be continued to be discipled. And disciple means to learn and to follow Jesus. That's what it means. That was the Great Commission. Hey, learn about me. Follow me. And then I will bless you. Number three, you have successfully completed the steps of ordination. And that's why you're standing in the presence of God today. When I was in worship this morning, I couldn't hardly take him. Because he was so excited about tonight. It was just building and building and building. He was so excited about this. So Tom and Brenda. Jesus is ordaining you for the gift of ministry and the gift of giving. I feel him building in me right now. I feel the presence. I don't know if I can stand right here. And that's according to Romans 12, 3 through 8. It's the gift that comes from the Father. It's the gift of ministry and the gift of giving in Romans 12 through 8. That's a gift that renders loving service in meeting the needs of others. Meeting the needs of others, praying for them, comforting them, nurturing them. The gift of giving is also given by the Father to, according to this Romans 12, 3 through 8, which refers to those gifted. Some of, us, some of us are gifted with finances more than others. But to contribute it to meet the emotional and physical support of others. That's what the, the excess is for. 
That is the gift of ministry and giving that you will be ordained under tonight. Chris and Tori Battle, Jesus is ordaining you for evangelistic ministry, he said. I really sought the Lord on this this morning um, to confirm these ministries and what scripture backs it up. So Ephesians 4 backs it up, where he gave some to be apostles, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Uh, Jesus gave you the gift of evangelism. Listen, if you take him away from people, he'll die. That's how you know a true evangelistic office. He will just dry up on the vine. And listen, it was hard for him to stay sanctified for 30 days. It was like death to him. But we had to keep coaching him. This is a special gift of preaching and witnessing in a way that brings unbelievers to an experience of salvation. The gift also operates for the establishment of new works. Here's where your apostolic ministry comes in. As I told Carrie, you and Carrie both, when you go out, you're not only going to reach the lost, but you're going to reach the saints. You've got to manipulate them into another level of maturity with Christ. And then you hand them over to the pastor. And just let him nurture that new saint and that trial that they just went through. The gift also has the ability, this gift that you have, has the ability, more so than the apostle, to bring forth signs, wonders, and miracles. All through the Bible is evangelist. Philip, bringing forth signs, wonders, and miracles in the marketplace and in other churches. So you had the gift of evangelism, which is a gift from Jesus placed in you. Uh, and I know your mom's here. Wasn't he a little different than the rest of the kids? Just a little bit? Okay, I'm just confirming it again. <laughs> anytime, anytime, listen, anytime you're in a, an office gift, you're going to be different from the rest. Just can't quite quite fit in. And Sheila Taylor, Jesus is ordaining you for the gift of teaching. And that's in Romans 12, 3 through 8 as well. The gift of teaching. And it's a gift that comes straight from the Father. This gift gives the ability to explain and apply the revealed truths of God that you have received and given it to the church, a divine truth that you make clear to them and understand. That's what a real teacher does, can take a divine truth and make it clear to an infant. That's the gift of teaching. So I'm humbled in the entrusting of overseeing God's hand and your life as he molded and shaped you. We've all watched it happen. And sometimes it's painful. For us to watch and see what's happening. But we won't let go of you. Because love. Never lets go. And the love of God. Is inexhaustible. So we're operating in the love of God. Which you can't exhaust it. Amen. That's how people. Get through their trials. That's how they get through their mess. Is because love has conquered everything. Amen. 
I've seen a lot of people come through that door and go out that door just quick, just as soon as God started waving his winnowing fan to remove all the chaff off the seat. Things start moving. Things start shaking. Things are different. They don't understand that people want to be in control of their life. And you can't be in control of your life if you're a saint from Jesus, bought with his blood. So listen, God is honoring you tonight for your love for him and answering the call and the process to love that you love God more than anything else. That you love God more than anything else. He is number one in your life. So out of all the people that came through that door and that back into that door and out of this door, I stand here with just a few that made it this year. Because others came in, but they left. But I stand before you honoring you tonight. And God is honoring you tonight. Amen. So I'm going to read uh, Isaiah 60. One through five. When I was about to close this morning in my worship time with God, he said, I want you to read Isaiah 60. One through five over there. And this is what it says. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness over the people. We're seeing that right now. The earth, but the Lord will rise up over you. That's amazing. When you, when you get into a dark place, the Lord will rise up over you to reach that person in that darkness. And his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, the kings, the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together and they come to you. Boy, Chris will love that. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Now what he's talking about is sons and daughters in the church. They're looking to be nursed. They're looking to be fed by the true ministers of God. Then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the Gentiles has come to you. Amen. The Lord wanted me to take a five minute break of worship now. We have one song and we're all going to stand and cut the lights out in the back and we're going to stand and just worship him for five minutes. Before this ordination of laying hands takes takes place, I exalt thee. Thank you, Jesus.
put a few scriptures before I lay in on the screen. And I like um, hearing Kate come up down this side, and I need Lee on this side. And then come up here with me. In the laying on of hand, we are releasing the apostolic spirit on the gift and on the vessel. This is your temple. Let's look at Acts 5, 12. We're going to back this up by the word of God. Turn the music up just a little. Through the hands of the apostles, signs, wonders, and miracles are released. So my hands lay on your head. Signs, wonders, and miracles are released. It's an anointing. Acts 6, 6, 7, and 8. When they were sent before the apostles, the apostles prayed and laid hands on them. And the word of God increased. I always tell people when the, when the anointing, the apostolic anointing comes on you, there's an acceleration of everything in your life. The word becomes clearer. Finances start flowing into your life. Um, everything begins to accelerate. And it also says the number of disciples greatly multiplied. And they did, did, they did great works, great wonders, signs among the people. This is what this anointing does when it comes on you. It won't leave you unless you offend it. It's like a dove that sets on you. And we have to watch what we say. The Lord told me one time, Gene, protect that anointing at all costs. How do you do that? He said, watch your words. Because your words will cause it to lift off. One Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect the gift which is in you. That means use it. God's commanding you and commissioning you to use this gift. A gift which is in you that special inward endowment which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit by the prophetic utterance when the elders laid hands upon you at your ordination. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them as your minister, so that your progress may be evident to everyone. People have to see the fruit of your ministry. And you can't do it without the apostolic spirit that anointing that's about to come on you. Hey, can you hear me that oil there? Could be sitting right on top. Hey, thank you. Can we dim the lights and um, turn the music up just a little bit? I'm going to read.